we start looking in Luke chapter 8, we are going to hear not just what Jesus is doing, but he's going to start explaining to us why he's doing what he's doing. We as believers, we as people who trust Jesus and understand what the scriptures say, we have the insight into how this is all going to start working. Jesus, in fact, is going to explain to his disciples. Now, he's come to the place in his ministry, here by Luke chapter 8, that anyone who wants to believe should already be believing. John the Baptist has sent representatives to Jesus and said, are you actually the Christ or should we look for another? Because I do have some questions exactly how this is all going. I can't quite connect all the dots. Jesus goes out and the blind receive their sight and the lame walk and the deaf hear and the gospel is preached to the poor. He says, go and tell John these things. And they do. And clearly John is like, okay, this is, these are all the signs of the Messiah. Maybe I can't connect all the dots. But without a doubt, Jesus is the Messiah. So, Jesus has come to the place in his ministry where if you were looking for the Messiah, maybe you couldn't quite put it all together, but there is clearly, completely sufficient evidence for anyone who wants to believe, you can believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Maybe you can't fill in all the blanks, maybe you can't connect all the dots, but there is no reason for thinking that Jesus is anything other than the Messiah. He's Jesus has no sin. Jesus has not harmed anyone. Jesus has done nothing but go out and do good. He is healing people's illnesses. He is taking care of the poor. He's feeding people. Jesus isn't getting crowds together so that he can take from them. He's getting crowds together to give to them. Jesus does nothing but give. He gives of himself. He gives of his time. He gives of his miracles. He feeds the 5,000. He, he, he has done nothing but been gracious and loving and giving to the nation. That's it. That's all he's done. That is everything that Jesus has done. He's got up and he's preached and he's spoken and, and he's preached the love of God and the common people are listening to him gladly. So, Jesus, how is the ministry going here? Two years or so into his ministry, maybe a little bit longer. Well, Luke chapter 1, uh, 8, excuse me, Luke chapter 8, verse 1 says this. So afterwards, after the Sermon on the Mount and a few other events here, he, he began going around from one city and village to another. So this is the aggressive, itinerant ministry of Jesus. I am going to speak to as many people as I can. I'm going to go to as many towns and as many cities, and I'm going to travel and arrive and speak. And so the 12 are with him. He's, he's out proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. The, the 12 are with him, and also there are some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sickness. There's Mary, who was called Magdalene. She was from the city of Magdalene, who had seven demons, she was, in her own way, quite infamous. She had been possessed of seven demons, and Jesus had cast them all out. Uh, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, who was Herod's steward, she would have been quite well known as well because of her political connections of her husband. I mean, Herod is the guy who rules the whole place, and his steward, um, once you get enough money, by the way, if, if you suddenly found yourself with 
$500 million. Um, I don't know about you, but I mean, the first thing you do is you actually hire somebody to like run your life. You, you hire this administrative assistant who, okay, we want to we wanna have vacation in Cozumel this, in two months. Fix it. I mean, you know, that's, what, what do you do with all that money if you can't hire somebody to do that, right? Plan my vacation. Get out there. Get at it. Okay, well, that's this guy. This guy is the steward of, for Herod. Herod says, this is what I'm going to do. He's like, okay. And he goes out and all that horrible work that no one wants to do, you know, all that, all that administrative stuff. Well, that's, that's this guy's job. Well, this is his wife. She's well-connected, so, and she has some financial resources here. And Susanna, that we don't really know anything about her, and many others were contributing to their support out of their private means. Jesus is not taking up offerings. Jesus doesn't want to be known as the guy who travels from city to city and town to town asking everybody for their money. I mean, that's not who he is. And this, of course, is being used of God to further the kingdom of God. Jesus is a guy who gives. So, Verse 4, a large crowd has now come together, and they're from various cities, and those who were journeying with him as well, and he now speaks to them by way of a parable. A parable is, the the word is, you know, two things that are equal, you know, parallel bars, if you, you know, in gymnastics, the parallel bars, they're together, they're they're. They're parallel. Well, that's like a parable. You take these two truths and you set them aside one another, and one of them is quite familiar to you, and one of them is not familiar. And so this kind of helps you understand. In this case, Jesus is going to be speaking about the kingdom of God, which, by the way, is the exact same thing as the kingdom of heaven in Matthew. Even to this day, the Jews are a little hesitant about using the name of God. They don't use it lightly. You'll note if you see their writings, they will do G underline D. It's, it's, they're very careful about the name of God, but the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, same, same kingdom. What is this kingdom like? Now, if you're Jewish, you're positive you know the answer to that question. Well, we know what it's like. The kingdom of God is, well, it's, 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 like, it's like the kingdom of the Romans. It's like the kingdom of any other nation out there. We, we know how this is. The kingdom of God should be just like that kingdom. It should have a king, and he should have rule and reign and armies, and he should have the ability to tell people what to do and make them do it. And, you know, that's, this is how this is going to go, which is if, if Jesus is the king of the kingdom of God, then, I mean, we know what he's going to do. He's, he's going to overthrow those Romans any minute now. Um, actually... They're quite mistaken about this first phase of the kingdom of God and how it goes. And it's one of the reasons why they miss that Jesus is the Messiah. But there's no excuse for that. Even though they didn't get how that all went, they should have. They should have figured it out. John the Baptist could figure it out. The disciples figured it out. There are lots of folks who figure it out. Not as many as you would like. But it was possible to figure it out. So... Jesus gives them this parable, and, and Steve just read it, so we're not to you know, completely reread it here, but it's the parable not, by the way, of the sower. It's actually the parable of the soils. The sower just goes out and sows the seed. He's, you know, he's got the bag down here, and he just you know, he broadcasts the seed. 
the wind blows it. It just kind of goes where it goes, and it lands, hopefully, a lot of it, out here on the actual field and the good. But it also blows over to places where, you know, the thorns grow. It blows to places where, like, you know, when dirt kind of blows, if you, if you go out, you can see places where you know, there's a little skim of soil, but it's on a rock. But, you know, if the seed lands there and the condition's right, that thing will germinate. Of course, it doesn't really get anywhere. It just kind of grows a little plant, but as soon as the sun comes out, it doesn't. There's no moisture, and the thing, the thing dries up and blows away. So, and some of it just falls on the path right there that the guy's walking on through the rows of the field, and the birds come down and eat that. And we know the parable, right? The question is, what does this have to do with the kingdom of God? And I mean, it's an interesting parable. It's we. Get it? A guy goes out, so seeds. Not like we haven't seen that. In fact, it's very possible at the time Jesus is giving this parable that there might be a field over there with some guy in it doing this. I mean, could be. Um, but what does this actually have to do with the kingdom of God? This is kind of obscure, isn't it? I mean, so the disciples come to him and they say, "What's the deal?" Here, I mean, you were supposed to be preaching truth. You're supposed to be preaching in a way that everybody understands. You were making this really simple. I mean, the, the Sermon on the Mount was pretty straightforward here. If you read the Sermon on the Mount, anyone who has been raised in Judaism, particularly ritualistic Judaism, which they all were with the Pharisees and the scribes and the lawyers, and this idea that you just need to do the 613 commands of God and you're going to be just fine. I mean, that's very straightforward. We, we get that, but... And so when he gave the Sermon on the Mount, like, he completely devastated that whole set of teaching. But this parable? The kingdom of heaven is like, what? Look, we know what the kingdom of heaven is supposed to be like. I mean, we're reading Isaiah. So you go to Isaiah chapter 11. I'll start here in verse 1. This is what Isaiah says about the coming king and kingdom. So and this is what they would look like. You know, the, a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, that's the David's father, by the way, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit, and the Spirit of God will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and strength, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He would delight in the fear of the Lord. He, he won't judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear, but with righteousness, he'll judge the poor, he'll decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth, and he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, And the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. And righteousness will be a belt about his loins and faithfulness the belt of his waist. The wolf will lay down with the lamb. And the leopard will lay down with the young goat. And the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. In fact, little kids will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze. And their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like an ox. The nursing child will play over the hole of the cobra, and a wean child will put his hand in the viper's den. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now that's the kingdom of God. There we go. That's what the kingdom of God is going to look like. The king is going to show up, and there's going to be thrones and armies, and, and the righteous are going to prevail. And, and I mean... You, you can imagine the conversation, right? As Jesus gets up and gives this parable, the sower went out to sow the seed, and you know, and, and, and you can hear, right? You can hear the conversation in the cart as they get back on, you know, and head back to town. You know, guy turns to his wife and says, "Well, Lord, you think of that sermon?" 
I don't know. I don't. But what does this have to do with the kingdom of God? What does this have to do with anything? Now, I like Jesus. He's a great guy, you know. Uh, remember my brother-in-law, you know, he hurt his arm there a couple of years back, and it was useless, and he couldn't use it anymore, and Jesus showed up and, and restored his arm. I mean, that's really, you know, that's good. Remember, remember the kid in town who was on death's door, and Jesus showed up and brought him back, and, and the person who was, who was demon-possessed, he got, but kingdom? I, what kind of a kingdom is this? I'll tell you what sowing my field and kingdoms have to do with. I was out reaping my harvest the other day, and before I could get it out of my field and into my barn, I was on my way to the barn. There's the Roman tax collector standing there looking for his cut. Now that's a kingdom. Yeah, that's what kings and kingdoms do. They collect taxes and make people do stuff. I mean, we like Jesus. He's a good teacher and all, but he's got to quit dealing. You know, he's, got, he's got to quit running around here with the beggars and the blind people, and the lepers, and, you know, blessing little kids, and come on, when are we going to get rid of the Romans? When are we going to overthrow them? When are we going to have a king? And, and, and did you hear? Jesus actually told some lady the other day her sins were forgiven. What is Jesus? You know, we have Moses, and the, and the temple, and the priests. Jesus doesn't need to get into all this stuff. He needs to rescue us from the Romans. I don't I, I don't This... I don't know. I don't know. This whole sower and... Okay. So why does Jesus give this parable about the kingdom of God? You go to Jesus, you're like, um, you understand, right, that no one gets what you're talking about, right? I mean, you do get this, right, Jesus? I mean, and Jesus, what does he say? Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. Quite well aware of that. In fact, what I'm doing is fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah who said, they will see and not see. They have eyes, but they won't see. And they have ears, but they won't hear. Because you know what? The moment has come in which this nation should have long ago repented in sackcloth and ashes, and they should have made straight the crooked, and they should have filled in the low space and taken down the high space, and they should have made a nice, wide, straight highway for the king to show up and repented, because that's exactly what John the Baptist told them to do, and they should have done it. Instead, you know what they're doing? They're not listening. They're not hearing what I say. They're not paying attention. So you know what? I'll speak to them. But I'm going to speak to them in words that they're going to hear and they're not going to understand. And I'm going to, and I'm going to say things to them. And they'll have eyes, but they won't see and ears that they won't hear. Because the heart of this people have become dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear. And with their eyes, they can barely see. And they're not going to see and they're not going to hear. Now, I want you to really stop and think about that for a second, right? Because we, what this this is about is the kingdom. It's about the gospel. It's about the effectiveness of the gospel and the preaching of the gospel and the sharing of the truth of the gospel. Because what happens is we are tempted to say the gospel isn't working. We need to make it more relevant. We need to speak to people's felt needs. We need to tell people in a way that will draw them and we've got to have stuff that will 
really get them in here. And, and you know, we gotta, we got to do something to get people to actually want to hear the gospel. Let's get some famous person to preach the gospel. Let's get some entertainer. Let's get some professional band that will come in here and put on a concert. Let's really do something that will, I mean, because after all, we've got we've to get people saved. What do you suppose Jesus would have to say to that? Jesus is here to preach the gospel. He's here to preach the message of the kingdom. He's here to preach the message of the king. You know what he says? Yeah, I've got a message and I'm going to preach it. You know what? They're not going to understand a word of it. I'm going to preach it anyway. So that seeing they will not see and hearing they will not hear. And I'm going to preach something that is not going to make sense to them. Because they don't want to hear it. They really don't want to know. Their eyes don't want to see and their ears don't want to hear. And their necks don't want to bend. And so... But here's the thing. The disciples come to Jesus and they say... So what does this parable mean? And he says, you know what? To you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Here's the thing. If you actually want to know what Jesus said, if you're in the crowd and you heard this parable and you thought, what in the world does this have to do with the kingdom of God? You know what you should do? Go to Jesus and ask him. And you know what? He'll tell you. Jesus is more than happy to share the truth with anyone who wants to know it. He's going to tell the disciples exactly what this parable means and exactly what it has to do with the kingdom of heaven, which in a moment here we'll talk about. He's going to explain it, plain as day, to anyone who wants to know. It's not like Jesus doesn't want people to know. He wants you to know. The question is, do you want to know? That's the question. Jesus' question to the nation of Israel is, I'll be more than happy to share with you the truth of who God is and how this all goes, provided you want to hear it. But the fact is, you don't want to hear it, and I know you don't want to hear it anymore, so done. Jesus is going to go around, and he's going to preach the kingdom, and he's going to, but they're not going to hear it. They're not going to see it because they don't want to. Oh, he'll keep doing miracles and he'll, he'll keep speaking. But So the disciples come to him and they say, hey, you know, would, would you be so kind as to actually explain to us? I mean, you know, we, we actually want to know. Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And that's the call. That's the challenge. Do you want to hear? Is this what you, do you want to hear? Because if you want to hear, then Jesus wants to tell you, which is his disciples. They come to him and they're like, okay, so what does the disciple mean? What does the parable mean? Why do they ask that? Because they have ears to hear. They want to hear what God has to say. So he tells them, and this is what he tells them. All right, so the sower goes out and he sows the seed. Now, some of the seed falls on the path, on, on the actual road, which is not, I mean, we think road, right? We, we think our roads. But this is the path. This is, if you're in a field and you're going to sow the field and you're going to sow grain in the field, if, if you've ever got a garden, you know that what you make in the garden is you make paths through the rows, right? If you plant little seeds and you're just stomping around your garden, you're, it's not going to go good. You need the path in the middle of the garden so that when you walk on it, it's okay to walk on the path. And when you walk on the path, it's going to be hard. That ground is hard, oftentimes hard as a rock, which is fine. You don't care because that's a path that you want it stable and solid. You don't want to step and twist your ankle and roll down into your new grown plants. So there's a hard path right there in the middle. Some of the seed, Jesus says, falls on the path, which is hard packed. And that seed 
the birds will come down, and I'm almost like behind you. You turn around, and they're five, six feet behind you. The birds are just sitting there eating that seed just as fast as they can eat it. Because it's right there. It's plain as day. They can see it. It's... Jesus says to his disciples, when you preach the message of the kingdom, when you get out and you preach the gospel, there are going to be people who are hard as a rock. And you're going to try to preach the gospel to them, and they're just, they're just not going to hear it. It's not going to hear it. That's how that's going to go. They, um, they don't want to hear the gospel. They don't want to hear the Bible. They don't want to hear what you have to say. That doesn't mean you don't preach it. That doesn't mean you don't cast the seed. That doesn't mean that you don't go out and, and still do what needs to be done. But just be aware that there, there are going to be people out there who are just not going to listen to a word you say. That's how it is. It's just, that's how it's going to go. So just let it go. Let, let that happen. You're going to preach and the devil's going to come and he's going to take it away. Now you might think that this would apply to people who are godless, atheists. It, it does. I mean, if you're an adamant atheist, you're certainly not going to hear what the Bible says. But there are all kinds of people who have like various kind of things with the Bible. They've got other books that they insert. And very religious people may still not want to actually hear the truth at all. So that's soil number one. Soil number two is the rocky soil. This is the soil that either has like blown up onto a little rock, you know, and there's that little just thin thing. Or it may even be that in your field you have some big section over here in one corner where there's a, you know, a slab of rock here in Texas, right? Particularly here we have caliche and that kind of a thing where you've just got this thin little layer of soil and the seeds end up over there and and they spring up, but, you know, they they don't really, they don't go anywhere. That topsoil is just not enough for them to actually go anywhere. These are people who hear the gospel and they think, wow, really? God is willing to give me a new start on life? I get, I get to, uh, I, we all get to start again? I can be born again? God is willing to forgive my sins? God is willing to, to allow me to be a member of his kingdom? He's willing to give me peace and joy and happiness? And the, this is the message that it's, me, me, me. Boy, this is all really, I, who in the world doesn't want to go to heaven? Who in the world doesn't want their sins forgiven? Who doesn't, who, I, this is like winning the lottery. Wow, God is willing to give me all this stuff? I'll take it, I'll take it. Well, okay, you do take it, but you understand that you're going to be a member of the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of darkness anymore. And you're going to stop serving the king of darkness and you're going to start serving the king of light. And you're going to actually be a believer in the true God, right? Well, you know, I don't know about all that. I would just want to go to heaven. Hmm. So what will happen is the sun will come out and trials and difficulties and hardship. And suddenly you're paying a price for your belief in God. And you know what? Yeah, no, I, <laughs> it was good as long as it worked out good for me. But you know, this isn't really working out good for me. This, this is, I, this, I didn't sign up for this. I signed up for peace and prosperity and heaven and all that. I didn't actually sign up for, I don't know, actually my family doesn't, uh, my family's rejected me. My family's turned away from me. Uh, I, yeah, no, that, that, that's not really my thing. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm backing off here. That's, okay, this is a person, they're, they're not saved. The gospel is not really not really taken root and germinated in their heart, and really, they, they have not brought forth fruit, meat for repentance. 
They are a person who got into this because it appealed to them. They, they didn't believe the gospel because of their deep abiding love for God and their gratitude that God would give his own son for them. They just wanted heaven. Just wanted, what are the benefits here again? I mean, if I'm, you know, I just, I just want to find out what's in it for me. That's these people. These are the what's in it for me people. And when they find out that what's in it for you is that you actually need to, by faith, serve God and trust him. Yeah, no. If you continue in my word, and, and my word abides in you, then are you truly my disciples, which is what Jesus said. I mean, you have to continue in the faith. You have to be firmly established and rooted in the gospel. And If, if you fall away, you, you, don't, you don't really believe. The gospel is about who God is and who we are. And when we understand the gospel clearly, we understand that it's God that's good, not us. But if we approach this with, well, I'm a good person and I just want to go to heaven, okay, that's... Consider it all joy when you fall into various and, and, and sundry trials and difficulties and temptations, right? That's, that's part of Christianity. And if you're like, oh, no, not me, well, okay, the sun will come out and you'll fall away. The next group is the thorny soil. This group of people are very similar to the rocky people, except instead of, instead of hardship getting rid of them, it's that they just, they just love pleasure. It's not the pain that drives them away from the gospel. It's the pleasure of this life. What's happened is that in this soil, the other soil was not, not deep enough. Couldn't really sustain their Christian life. It was all about them. These people have a similar view, but what's happened in their soil is there is another life. There's this other life. There's this thorn life. You've got this other thing that's growing in their life. Yeah, they want God. They want, they want Jesus plus everything else they've got. They like their life. They like their finances. They like their comfort. They like who they are. They like their prestige and their place in society and they you know they like all of this stuff and if I can add Jesus to that that'd be good you know if I could just have everything I have and have Jesus too that that'll work uh and what happens is that this person once more they're not really living for God they're just living for themselves and kind of throw some religious words in there with what they're doing but Again, they are much like the people in the thin soil when the moment comes to actually have to decide, am I going to go with God or am I going to go with all this other stuff I really like? They go with all the stuff they really like. Their heart is not really with God. They are the double-minded person who is unstable in all their ways. The plant grows. It looks good. I mean, if you talk to these people, they might even convince you that they're a Christian. They, they, have, they have lots of, of good-looking life. They, for the most part, are going to be probably honest. And, and they're going to be folks that you're going to wrestle with. Whether or not they're really, are they, are they really saved? The fact is that it's not until the, the moment comes that you have to make a choice. Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve money? Because Jesus says very clearly, Sermon on the Mount, you cannot serve God and money. The moment's going to come. God is going to bring into your life a a time of choosing. You're going to have to decide. Am I going to do what God wants me to do or am I going to do what money wants me to do? God brings those choices into our lives. Deliberately. 
for our benefit so that we can see how we're going to choose on that. And so we need to choose truth, God, if that's what it takes. These people don't. These people just kind of, yeah, you know these folks. You, you, it takes time. It takes a while. But eventually it becomes clear that, you know, you don't really, I don't, I don't think you really are serving God. I don't, I, I, and so they, they just kind of get choked out. They just get choked out. It just, you know, they came to church all the time, and then they came sporadically, and then they hardly ever came, and the next thing you know, they just don't come at all. There are a number of reasons for that, but sometimes it's very clear that yeah, I just have better stuff to do with my time than go to church. Really? Okay, well, that would be this person. That would be this person. They don't really see the things of God as essential. They have like another life. They got the church thing, and then they got the real life. Okay, if you got the church thing, and then you got a real life over here, you want to be you want to be paying attention here. You really want to listen because you don't want to be that person. You want to be the person that you have God, you have what God is doing, and everything else is second to that. And sure, God is fine with people having finances. That's not, that's not the issue. It's not that we can't live a, a fine life. The question is, is that all you're living for? So we now come to the good Seed. The good seed is the seed which lands, uh, sorry, the good soil. The good soil is the soil in which when the seed lands on it, not only does it, does it go into the soil and not only does it bring up the plant, but it now has roots. It's now connected to God. Jesus will say, I am the vine, you are the branches. This is that group of people who have put down roots, who have said, it's God. It's all Jesus. It's all the scriptures. This is what we're doing. I am not turning from this. I don't care what the trials are. I don't care what allures me. I don't, I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd, I'd rather have Jesus than anything. I don't care. Just give me Jesus. This is the good soil. This is the soil that suddenly starts producing fruit. The other soils, of course, the seed that landed on the path, that didn't even grow, the seed that landed with the rocky ground, it sprung up, but no, no fruit. And the seed with the thorns, I mean, it, it grew a little better than the seed with the thin soil, but it didn't produce any fruit either. When it actually came time to produce the, the evidences of true faith in God, the first three seeds, the first three soils, nothing. They, nothing. They, they didn't get there. They got plants, but they weren't really believers. They didn't really have the transformating power of God. When we are born of that seed, which is incorruptible, imperishable, the living, abiding word of God takes root in our hearts. We serve God, not that we're sinless, of course we aren't, but when the choice comes, we don't get up in the morning and go, well, am I going to live for God today or not? I don't, I don't know. I can't I mean, bless, you know, I... <clears throat> No, we get up in the morning and say, what can I do to do the works of God today? How do I serve God today? Not that we're perfect at that, not that, not that, but that's our heart. We get up in the morning and we talk to God, Lord, what can I do today that is going to further your work in this world? What can I do? 
How do I become the spouse or the child or the parent or the neighbor or the church member who is truly trying to serve God? How do I become a responsible citizen in this nation who is going to bring honor and glory to God? How do I do this? This is our heart's desire. This is what the gospel does to us. We suddenly wake up and say, God loves me. And I love God. And out of gratitude for what God has done for me, I want to do whatever God wants me to do, and I'm willing to do it. Just point me in the right direction, Lord. I'll get that done. So when it comes time for us to share the gospel with people, when it comes time for us to preach the gospel, here's an interesting thing. Four kinds of soil, one kind of seed. You don't change the seed for the soil. Well, I've got that rocky soil, you know. Take the, take the seed, you know. We've got a special seed that goes on the rocky soil. Nope. Nope. We don't have a special seed that goes with the thin soil or the soil with weeds in it. No, there's, there's one seed. There's one gospel. There's one truth. Preach it. Men are sinners in need of a Savior. Jesus died to save sinners. We don't need to change that message. We don't need to adapt that message. We don't need to make it culturally relevant and get celebrities to say it. And We don't need to do any of that stuff. What we need to do is preach it. Preach the truth. Plant the seed. And you know what? We're going to find out when the soil does what the soil does. We don't change the seed. We just find out what the soil is made out of. And the good soil, don't worry, it's going to bring forth 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. When the good soil produces the fruit, it's abundant fruit. So don't try to change the gospel. Don't try to just, you're like, I know, but when I tell people that they're sinners, they don't like it. Okay, That's, that's the soil's problem, not the seed. We have to, now I'm not suggesting that you just have to be, you know, insulting. You don't have to go out and deliberately insult people. Don't. Don't allow a brash personality or, or to just be you know, not at all sensitive to the situation. But speak the truth. Don't worry, you can be as kind and as gracious and as compassionate as you want to be. But if you speak the truth, don't worry. Jesus said, the world will hate you because they hated me. And they hated, Jesus said, they hated me long before they hated you. So if you just speak the truth, don't worry, they'll hate you. They, they will. You can even say it nicely. It won't matter. Jesus, who in the world was nicer than Jesus? He's literally out here healing the sick and and raising the dead and feeding the hungry. It doesn't matter. They crucified him anyway. So we must speak truth. And don't, don't feel like you need to get everybody saved. Sorry to say that, but that's the reality. Three out of the four soils. That We don't compromise the message to somehow get more people to respond. Speak truth. And don't worry, God will bring those people who are here to hear it. Those who have ears to hear, will hear. How do you find out who's got the ears? Well, speak the truth. If you're like, boy, I tried to share the gospel with my neighbor. I don't know that really went that well. I I feel like I, 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 don't worry, don't worry. Did Did you say the gospel? Did you get out the word of God? Don't worry. That's, if they want to know more, they'll be back over there knocking on your door and asking. The disciples come to Jesus and say, would you please explain this parable to us? So if people don't understand, 
Speak the truth. Let God deal with folks who hear it. Let me close with this. When you drive down the road and you walk through Walmart and you go to work and you just go through life, just kind of go through life, just remember this. Every single person you see, every person you see on the highway, every person you meet in the airport, every person you walk by in the grocery store, you will see every single one of those people again. on the Day of Judgment. So, are we trying to lead lives that lead people to God? Are we serious about that? I'm not suggesting you have to wear a big placard, you know, turn or burn. I'm not, but are we leading godly lives? Are we leading lives that are promoting the things of God and the kingdom of God? And are we living in such a way that people look at us and say, that person truly believes the Bible? Because the day of judgment is going to come. And we need to make sure that we at least did our part. That we did our best to serve God. To do right. And that we were the seed that did our best to actually produce the fruit. Fruit of the Spirit. Share the truth. Stood true. True to our marriages. True to our parents. Took care of our kids. That we strove to be the people who did what God wanted us to do. Let's pray. Lord, we do ask that you would give us hearts and soil that will bring forth fruit abundantly. May we be driven to take the great, amazing seed of the gospel, this, this message that you love us, and live it. Just produce your love and your compassion and grace and mercy and kindness from our lives. May you use our lives to further your kingdom in ways we can't even imagine, that we don't even know, but you're using us. And so may we strive to live in such a way that it brings honor and glory to you. We ask in your dear son's name. Amen.